some of your favorite dance styles and forms of dance? Uh, I, I think jazz is one of my favorites, partially because I love old movie musicals. I love the char the character, the carriage. I love like watching Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly, and Sid Charisse, and like just the storytelling, the vibe, the cool. Mm -hmm. So I love jazz. I love jazz. I love it. Do you have any favorite choreographers or choreographers who have inspired you? Pat has inspired me. Pat Taylor, our artistic director of our company. I took a class with her before I was with her company and I, I'd seen her company before, but I took class with her and she said something to me that I had never heard before tech, a tech, a technique kind of thing. And I had been dancing 35 years and I was like, huh, she just like <laughs> in a 20 minutes into this class, like improved something that in the last 35 years I have not thought of or been explained to you in that way. Hmm. And so I was like, okay, so I need to like pay attention and keep working with this person. Hmm. And she asked me to dance with her company. And one of the things that I love, one of my strong suits as a dancer is that aspect of being able to tell a story. I may not have like the highest legs or, you know, the highest jumps or the most turns or whatever, but I have a, a way of being able to relay emotion to an audience and pull them into the world that I'm into, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. I'm in. And that is one of the things that is key to Pat's choreography is telling stories and telling stories of real people. And is that a gift or something that can be learned? It is something that can be improved, but at its most basic level, it's a gift. We've had dancers who have been able to after like coaching and time been able to kind of break through that barrier to a certain degree but i know for myself uh to the degree that i'm able to do it i feel like that is something that's natural um my daughter is the same way i feel like she is a great storyteller she has this energy that comes out and reaches to the audience and pulls them in to to her um, but she was also raised in a studio where they talked about that all the time you know, she trained actually with Lula Washington and they train versatile dancers. They train dancers to tell stories. They train dancers to bring something out of themselves and give it to the audience. Um, they train people to put on a show and to hit it when it needs to be hit. <laughs> mm. um, and that was one of the things that attracted me about, attracted me to Pat's work is it's so focused on that and it's so focused on becoming one with the music and bringing the music to life and we oftentimes use live musicians which is an amazing gift to have to have that interaction the energy with the musicians and the music sounds a little different every time you know so maybe this step is going to be you're going to do it a little different this show than you did yesterday because like the horn player is playing a different kind of solo uh, and having that kind of freedom to work in that way and create in that way um, has been such a blessing and a gift for me uh, these last 10 years, however yeah. long I've been with her. You mentioned Lula. Yes. Lula 
Washington. Washington, yes. I, I, I shouldn't be stumbling over that, but I actually took some classes there way back when I was a kid. I seem to remember them having conga drums and players. Yeah, oh, I'm sure they did. <laughs> Can you tell us about something about that company and how you got involved with them? Because they, they, they're kind of a, a legendary kind of company. I mean, they've been around a long time, very yeah. well-respected company. Is she even alive still? I, I don't know. Oh my gosh, yes. yes oh she yeah. Is. So she's still <laughs> doing, doing the classes? Because I, I, I must have been 10 years old when, when I, if I'm remembering correctly, it was like somewhere around Pico and Washington mm -hmm. or somewhere around there. Yeah, her studio is is down on Crenshaw and Coliseum and Miss so Lou. she's still got the same studio. Um, this one's a different one. Oh, the, they had a studio on Adams and it was actually destroyed in the earthquake in 94. Mm -hmm. So then they moved into a space on Pico um, for a while until they were able to... Yeah, I think that's where I saw them on Pico. Right, till they were able to settle with the city because the city was claiming that they're, you know, was kind of claiming an imminent domain on their land of their old studio after the earthquake. And they were like, oh, hold up. No, this is our... <laughs> so they were in a lawsuit for quite a while, and which they won and uh, got enough money to build a brand new space, which is on, uh, well, it's not brand new anymore, but uh, to build a new space, a new home base uh, on Crenshaw and Coliseum. So yeah. how does one build up a name for themselves like Lula Washington? <clears throat> Time and tenacity, just mm -hmm. time and tenacity. Um, her company is over 40 years old and she has just kept plugging away and kept plugging away and kept plugging away and stayed dedicated to her vision and kept working and Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like anything. It takes time. It it takes a lot of time to be an overnight success. I mean, she she had a, a name for herself back then when I was a kid. You know, yeah, I think that's why my father took me there because if you know you'd heard about her name. Yeah. Um, today's dancers versus dancers of the past. Do you think the plight is easier these days versus um, maybe when you started, or how has it changed and and how w the road one takes to become a, a personal dancer? I've heard that people are making, dancers are actually making a lot of money just off TikTok, putting things up there and, and making yeah, substantial amounts of money. Yeah, I was going to say the, the way dance is disseminated is much easier now because you do have YouTube, you do have TikTok. Um, there's a lot more places where you can get your stuff out and get your face known. And, and, and even like agents and casting directors are looking at these things. They're looking at how many followers you have. They are looking online to see the next big whomever next big craze so yeah. i think in that way it's excuse me it's much easier to get your face and your work out into the world mm -hmm. um than when i was coming up um i also think there is a, a lack of dissemination of knowledge uh in general, and this is a big conversation in in the teaching community right now, um, is people teaching things but not acknowledging this came from the Horton technique, this came from the Graham technique, this came from, you know, whatever. You know, people are just teaching steps and they don't necessarily know where they originated hmm. or the technique behind them. Um, there's a lot of teachers out there like that. Um, and so that's... And that's because these teachers don't know it themselves and they kind of 
learned it from not being taught the roots or just laziness? I think either they don't know it themselves um, because they weren't taught or they were taught and they just didn't necessarily think, oh, that's important. Let mm -hmm. me just give you a step. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people think anybody can teach dance and there are a lot of popular dancers, popular TikTok dancers or whatever who are on the dance convention circuits and that kind of thing and out there trying to teach who really aren't good teachers. What do you think are the characteristic or qualities one should have to be a good and effective dance teacher? Uh, one thing I think is an ability to break down a movement in different ways. Everybody teaches in different ways. Everybody learns in different ways. Some people need a visual of a step, you know, like it looks like this, or if you think of like being in a blender or some people need the count or um, you've got to be able to teach in a number of different ways, be able to break it down in different ways for different people because not everybody learns the same way. And then I think there's also having that discerning eye of being able to look at somebody and see what the issue is, mm -hmm. see mm -hmm. why they're not getting the step or see um, what one little thing, oh, like if you take your hip back here, then you'll get that thing. And not everybody has that ability to do that either. <laughs> mm. Yeah. In a business of highs and lows, how do you keep yourself strong in those low moments? One thing I always like to say is um, my job is to audition. Mm -hmm. My job is to audition. If I actually get booked on something to teach or choreograph or perform, like that's cake. That's the cake, that's the extra. Mm -hmm. But the job I signed up for is to put myself out there and to, to go after the work. And if you think of it that, that way, mm -hmm. <laughs> then it's not so, it doesn't feel so hard when all of the no's come. Because yeah. if I go out and I do my audition, I did my job. Mm -hmm. And if I feel good about my audition, that's the other thing is, is try and prep myself and get in a place where I can feel good about my audition. That's the only thing I can control. Yeah, It's not a business where you can control if you get hired or not. You might look like the ex-wife of the casting director, you might look too similar to the lead actress. You might look like the ex-wife of the lead actor. You don't, too tall, too short, a little too old, a little too young. What? I can't, I can't control any of that. All I can control is my preparation and my attitude. Hmm. Do, you, do you have any role models? Um, Living or dead? <laughs> either, either. I have always loved. How do you um, stay so inspired? I've always loved like Sammy Davis Jr. Mm -hmm. I've always loved Gregory Hines, Robert Preston, um, Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly. I know they're all men. I don't know why that is. It just mm -hmm. is. Um, I find. I love the fact that they can do everything so well i make love it look so easy <laughs> it, they can make it look so easy um but i want to be like that i want to be able to be that person that people are like wait you can sing like that and you can dance like that oh my gosh you just ripped my heart out in that scene <laughs> yeah. 
Like I just I I think that's you, amazing. You are that person. <laughs> you are that person. How have you noticed the dance industry changing over the years or through the years, pros and cons for better or worse? I think um I think really the cons would be the whole the thing of, of how teaching is kind of devolved to a certain extent. And then there's also a huge, huge uh, discussion in academia right now over um, the treatment of non-classical forms. So ballet and modern are, th are thought of as like technique and like, you know, these are must haves, whereas like things like jazz and hip hop and um, Caribbean, you know, ethnic kinds of dance forms, these also take technique. These are you not everybody can do them and they're treated in collegiate academia as kind of like second cousins. And we're like, no, we we're brothers and sisters. <laughs> so there's, you know, there's there's a whole discussion about that. Um so a con is that that discussion is happening and um the discussion of giving credit where credit is due and not looking down on forms that are not um thought as purely classical or purely technique because there is technique involved in all of those things um yeah hmm. there just is and it's important it's a discussion that's going on which is a very good thing how is I the think, oh go ahead oh i was going to say i think it's great um being able to disseminate more dance online um i think that's amazing i think there are so many more companies now so many more different expressions of physical movement that there is something literally something some place out there for everyone whatever your mood, movement aesthetic is there is somebody out there looking for you you know well, to join them and to create uh, how has the pandemic affected the dance community and are, are is the community starting to finally recover now um to a certain extent like like any other performing arts community we were decimated by the pandemic um having people in a space sweating and breathing hard and moving through space um was very difficult um you know it shut down a lot of studios um shifted some to outdoor training um lula was fortunate enough to get a grant to build a stage in their parking lot so they can teach outdoor classes. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of studios now are kind of moving back into having classes. I was fortunate enough to uh, take a couple classes in New York when I was there dropping my daughter off at school, uh, which was great. You know, they had um, vaccination procedures um, for the studios. So if you wanted to take class in studio, you had to be vaccinated, that kind of thing, um, which I am. So I was like more than happy to 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 go and actually get to move in space. Mm -hmm. uh, the good thing is that uh, there were opportunities for people to study with different people from across the country because a lot of stuff moved to online. I mm -hmm. have a friend whose daughter um, got to study through Dance Theater of Harlem and mm -hmm. she lives out here. You know, pre-pandemic, they didn't really have that, mm -hmm. that Zoom option of taking class and being part of the academy. And because of everything that happened with COVID, uh, she's been able to study with them for the last year. Um, my company in particular, we have a day of dance that we do every year. In the last couple of years, we've done it online and we've had 
students from Brazil come and study with our youth ensemble and participate in some of our master classes and people from across the country. Um, that is something that we wouldn't have thought to do before the pandemic. And I'm hoping that that kind of outreach uh, will continue so that all of us can, you know, expand our, our horizons, expand our audiences. Um, yeah. No, that would be great. I mean, it would be great for it to continue. Yes. Yeah. Um, which one of the pieces that, that you choreographed is the closest to your heart and why? Oh, interesting. Um, I would say the Watsons go to Birmingham. Mm -hmm. I, uh, our performances of that actually ended like February 23rd, 2020, <laughs> right before the world shut down. Um, Bernadette Speaks is the director and she's a good friend of mine and we've collaborated. She's brought me in a couple times. But one of the things I loved about that process was um, she brought me in from the jump and we really collaborated on casting the show on, um, you know, from the beginning, like how the dance was going to be used as opposed to me coming in and, and choreographing these three numbers. You know, um, I was really able to feel a part of the, the vision, the creation process of the whole play, uh, which I really enjoyed and I really loved. And hey, Bernie, and I love working with her and she's very open and very creative. And, um, and, the, and the cast was really amazing to work with as well. They were very open to what we were trying to do and, and just trying different things and, and worked hard at, at getting the timing on some of the, the steps and things like that. So uh, that was really, really a lovely, lovely experience. Um, I felt like a part of, sometimes as a choreographer, you feel like separate, you mm. know, like these are the crew and then this is the cast. So why, why is that? I think it's a matter of time because mm. um, in a lot of situations, you only get to spend a limited amount of time with the cast where mm. they're together, the whole rehearsal process all together, mm -hmm. you know, whereas as opposed to the four hours you're with them, each week until the show or whatever, mm -hmm. um, depending on the show. Mm -hmm. um, but um, for that one, I, you know, I really felt like the whole, everyone was a whole as a family. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that was just because of the amount of time I got to spend mm -hmm. with them yeah, that know, makes and, sense. And, and working on that and seeing them from the audition process all the way through and um, mm -hmm. from their first reads, you know, through, mm -hmm. through everything. So. What do you think it is about dancing that makes people so darn happy? I think there's something about moving that lets your mind kind of be free. You know, once mm -hmm. you like let go and just let your body go, there's something about it that is just freeing that lets your spirit go, oh, you know, lets everything just kind of like take a big, sigh of relief and just whew, let it go mm -hmm. yeah that's why they came up with dance therapy there's actually a therapy called dance i know therapy. and it's a wonderful it makes you know it makes a big difference can you uh, tell us uh some something about your biggest wins or proudest achievements <clears throat> um i would definitely say one of my biggest wins was getting cast in lion king that was a 
a huge deal for me. That was the first time I had had a job of that magnitude. scope, magnitude, financial impact, mm -hmm. all of the above. <laughs> um, it had been a, a show I had been trying to get in since it opened initially. You know, I they had so many of my, my resumes that I sent to them. When my company at the time was on tour in New York, we were trying to get in to see them, but then they were like somewhere else auditioning. And it, so finally having them come out here and you going the L.A. production, correct? You, yes. You opened the yeah. LA production. And did those people that you were auditioned for in L.A., were they familiar from all the stuff you had sent to them before or? or Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're like, oh, hi, Sherry, because they just knew, you know, and I... Um, and I came into the open call for the singers. I came into the open call for the dancers. I was like, you will see me. I sang a different song. I was like, look, I can sing like this and I can sing like that. And, um, I just, I just kind of went after it and I choreographically, it was really hard to learn. Um, and I had one moment in the lioness chant where we're stopping and we're facing the side and we look like we're stalking someone. And Garth Fagan happened to be sitting right in front of me. Who? who? Garth Fagan. He choreographed the Lion King. Oh, okay, okay. And so I was like, okay, you have to stare this man dead in his eyes. You can't look at his chin or off to the side. Like, this is your moment to, like, bore into his soul and be like, pick me. And mm -hmm. I did that. Mm -hmm. And I swear, I will swear up and down to this day, that was the moment he was like, her. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. Cause that was the moment I just like reached out and was like, Rah! <laughs> that's great. That's great. In what ways has dance changed you as a person? Uh, how has it impacted your life? Oh, so many ways. Dance is the most, dance has been such an amazing gift to me because I can walk into rehearsal frustrated, angry, tired, any of those things. And we can start moving. And by the end, I am laughing. I'm just like, it's one of those places where I feel the most myself. Um, there are a lot of people in my life who've never seen me dance. And I feel like once you see me dance, then you really, really know who I am. Mm -hmm. Because there's a big part of me that you're kind of missing if you've never seen me on stage dancing. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that's about. It just, it's the fun thing I've done the longest. It was the first thing that I looked at and said, that's me. Hmm. At what age do you think one should start to train if they want to embark on a career as a professional dancer? Um, I mean, I think that depends on if you say like train for fun or seriously train. My daughter started when she was seven. I started when I was five. But um, hmm. if you were kind of on a career track, I would say 10 is a great age. Misty Copeland, who is one of the most famous dancers in the world right now, didn't start till she was 12 or 13, which is kind of late, but hello, <laughs> it can be done. I have been in company with dancers who started when they were 17 or 18 and they were able to, by hard work and training, they were able to become professionals. Um, Do do uh, male dancers still typically start later or has that changed or are now male dancers starting to train early um, as well? I think it's a mixed bag. Uh, 
my dance partner in, in the dance company started later. He started at 18, I believe. Uh, and he's insanely beautiful, this amazing dancer. But there are a lot of boys in dance studios now, a lot more than, you know, there used to be. And I think that comes from shows like So You Can Think, So You Can Think You Can Dance, So You Think You Can Dance, <laughs> and Dancing with the Stars, and mm -hmm. commercials, a lot more commercials with dance and hip hop, and um, different things like that. I think they're getting a lot more examples, even on YouTube, um, of male dancers. And there's less of stigma as, as far as being a man, mm -hmm. being a boy, and loving dancing than there used to be. Uh, who was your most influential teacher? Hmm. I would say, I would have to say William Riley. I would have to say my, my ballet mm -hmm. teacher. He not only taught me the technique that I use to this day, which is why I am as seasoned as I am and still dancing, uh, still able to dance and do what I love to do. But he also taught me mm -hmm. hard work. He taught me how to learn things quickly. He taught me how to be demanding and have demands of your students, but still be loving and encouraging and build them up. Um, those are things, lessons that I use when I'm teaching to this day. And how do you inspire and motivate your own students? I think one of the ways to motivate and inspire them is by not letting them give up. Um, I'm the first one in my dance class to say, if we're going across the floor, go all the way. I don't care if it's wrong. You don't stop in the middle and walk off because you're not going to get better if you just give up. You have to keep trying and keep trying. And I also try and find something to encourage them on. You know, if you don't get the feet right, that's all right. Your arms look great. We're going to start with that. Just pick one little thing at a time. It'll all come together if you keep trying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I really like to try and find ways to encourage. I try to have fun in class, but at the same time, be strict enough to be like, okay, this is the time where we have to listen. This is the time where we have to be respectful. I always say, if I'm talking, I want all eyeballs on me. It's like, if you're not looking at me, I don't feel like you're listening. Have you ever considered another career in, in, than entertainment? No, never. I have been, now I have worked as an executive assistant so that I could live and then danced at night and taught at night. I've had regular right. jobs while I was performing. But dancing was still something you were still no. involved in. Yeah, it, I worked so that I could afford to dance and not be paid for rehearsal. <laughs> right, right, yeah. I think that's how many of us artists are. Uh, what's the most common misconception about dancers? Um, I think people think dancers are dumb sometimes. Where does that come from, do you think? I think people think that about anybody who makes a living doing something physical or using their body. Hmm. You know, I think sometimes people think athletes are dumb or think think dancers are dumb or think models are dumb, you know, and none of that is true. It's like anything else. There are some that, you know, may not be the brightest, but to do what we do takes a lot of, 
a lot of brains. You have to be very smart as a dancer. It takes a lot to be able to learn all those steps to be able to think about the different parts of your body and what several parts of your body are doing at one time. It takes a lot to be able to do all of that while thinking about the story and the character you're trying to portray, while trying to be in um, tempo with the music, while trying to stay in line with six other people or in the right formation. <laughs> like mm -hmm. there's so much that goes into it. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to be a smart dancer. What do you think is the most challenging thing about your work? I would say for me now, the physical limitations. As I get older, it, it gets harder. It gets harder. But I'm going to keep doing it as long as I can. And even after I stop dancing with a company, I will forever be a dancer. I will always be trying to take somebody's class somewhere and do what I can do. You know, it's kind of what I, I approach, how I approach class and stuff today, these days, especially with my injuries. I'm like, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm not going to be mad about what I'm able to do right now in this moment. Hmm. I'm just going to be happy I'm here moving. How long does it take to become a professional dancer, or at least to get your skills up to where you could even be going out on professional dance calls? They've said that, I mean, you can book work as an actor before you're, you know, at a certain level, but they've said, you know, like, I think it was Stanislavski or something that said that it's like 30 years that it takes to, before you, you're an actor that really knows what they're doing. And I, I know that that time frame wouldn't apply to dancing because it's a, such a limited amount of time that you, that most people have to dance. You've exceeded that, that amount of time, but how long do you think it takes for a dancer to get their skills up to be considered a professional dancer? Um, that's an interesting question. I would say I got my first professional dancing job at 19. I got in my first dance company at 20, um, which is about, you know, that's about the age people can, can really te technically be able to do that kind of stuff. Now, that being said, I think the more life you live, the more specificity you put into your dancing, into your storytelling and things like that. While I don't have the legs or flexibility that I did when I was 26, I think I am a much more captivating performer now than I was then. Um, because the more you go through, the more you can funnel into your art and funnel out to your audience. Yep, absolutely. If you listen to Lena Horne in her 20s and then listen to Lena Horne later in her career, it's like night and day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do dancers have a union? And what kind of things can they expect from that union? Most, uh, it depends on the kind of dance you're talking about. Um, if you're talking about film and television, like people who are in uh, The Wiz Live on NBC and things like that, they are covered by a SAG-AFTRA. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, yes, that is a very powerful unit, uh, as, uh, union. As far as theater goes, those dancers are covered by Actors' Equity, another well-known major union organization. Um, as far as dance companies go, I think there are some or even performances. I mean, let, let's like I've heard that 
dancers are also getting hired as dancers slash models. Like they might have a show and, you know, they're modeling some shoes, but doing some choreography as well. Yeah, for uh, stuff like that, generally there's no union. <clears throat> uh, how much can dancers expect to make through the course of a year? Uh, a range, I know that, you know. <laughs> I have no idea. Um... I have no idea. So it's still mainly for love than than necessary going into yeah. it. Yeah. And it depends on the person. Like if you're somebody who's able to book like a tour with Janet Jackson, you're going to do pretty well. If you are in a show on Broadway, you're going to do well. You know, I never made more money than I did when I was in Lion King because it's the highest level theatrical contract you can be in. Um, if you're in a smaller dance company, and teaching on the side and doing some concerts with another dance company and trying to do maybe a non-union musical music video or something it's anybody's guess you know we we are one of those like actors one of those uh industries where you were going to have to do more than one thing you know yeah. generally so most dancers generally have another job to supplement their income mm -hmm. even the companies that have the larger companies that have full-time salaries those those dancers still aren't making as much as someone who might be working in corporate america mm -hmm. with a full-time salary you know mm -hmm. um yeah what would be your dream project oh. to 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 choreograph and or act in as well Um, that's a good question. I don't know as far as choreography. There's like so many shows and stuff that are very cool and fun. And over the last couple of years, so I've done a lot of choreography for plays, which I never thought would be a thing. But you know, so just I plays, not necessarily musicals. Where not necessarily musicals, but, just, but plays uh, mm -hmm. that have dance is part of them and and movement interwoven yeah mm -hmm. so plays with a create more creative vision mm -hmm. more inclusive vision for how the thing happens um so that has been very cool so i don't know about choreography i don't know it's still something over the scope of my career that's fairly new for me um i love choreographing musicals uh it would be fun to maybe choreograph a new musical you write it all? I don't. I don't. I'm an interpreter of others. You, you, you do enough other things. I was just curious. <laughs> <laughs> you don't really need to. I, I, I was surprised with the uh, the piano playing and would you say violin? Violin, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a violin, and I've heard is a, a tough instrument to learn. I, I played for of, nine years. You know, one of the harder instruments to learn. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Ah. <sighs> Um, well, too, probably the one thing that I said earlier, whereas if you work on your upper body, no one will ever notice what your feet are doing. Hmm. Okay. That has served me well. <laughs> and then the other thing would be, um, just the notion of my job is to audition. Mm -hmm. And as long as I'm doing my job, you're good. That's, I'm good. Yeah. Typically, how long is a dancer's career? I, I, again, I know you, you're you not typical. <laughs> but yeah, 
I would say typically by the time people get into their mid-30s, um, they move into move on to something else or you know go into teaching full-time or retire it is definitely one of those things where physically you can feel a difference like 26 was probably my physical peak and then 30 I was like oh this feels different and 35 oh this feels different 40 it was like wait what <laughs> so you know and so now I just I just know it feels different and I do do what I got to do to stay in the game. What are some of the other viable career transitions that, that you see dancers making, like when they can't dance um, anymore, but well, still like, stay in, or, in and or around the business of entertainment? Teaching, um, choreography. Um, if I hadn't wanted to perform, I would still be a maintenance choreographer at Disneyland because I loved that job. And it's a great job, it's a great career, especially if you're kind of done with the stage. It's an amazing place to be, but that just wasn't, that wasn't where I was, you know, and I did that for seven years. So um, there's that. I know a lot of dancers who have become um, Pilates instructors, massage therapists, um, things like that, where you work with people who are physical and you can still work with dancers and understand what they're doing to their bodies and, <laughs> and how they move their bodies and, and how dancers have a pretty good understanding of the of anatomy, like how muscles work and uh, I think generally, um, I think in general they do, but you most certainly know how your body works. Everybody's work, body works differently. But I think if you are a massage therapist or like in my case, I have a chiropractor who works with dancers all the time. And I'll be like, oh, this hurts this way. And she'll be like, were you doing something like this? And she knows exactly like <laughs> what kind of movement. I was like, yes, I was. <laughs> you know, I think uh, as people who are dancers, if you go into those kind of healthcare fields, you understand the the pressure that people put on their bodies. You understand that that nature to push through instead of sit down. You understand that when you tell a dancer you can do light workout, that doesn't mean you can take the whole first half of a ballet class and maybe not jump doing the floor. Because in a dancer's mind, that's light. I'm not mm -hmm. jumping, so I'm taking it easy. Mm -hmm. You know, you understand that kind of stuff because we, we have a wackadoodle kind of way of thinking sometimes. Are, are dancers still expected to be thin in the year 2021? Is that still an issue? for dancers, generally speaking? Not as much. Um, depending on the industry for like music videos or for touring in general, yes. But there are a lot of artists coming out now who are like, I want all shapes and sizes. I want all colors. Um, there's a lot of shows now that are, and, and companies that want anybody, like if, you if you can do it and you have the passion then bring it on um i think one of the one of the most wonderful experiences i had was when the color purple was first opening on broadway and i i got called back to to go to new york for like the final callback for the dancers and there were 200 women in this room and everybody looked different there was thin there was thick there was dark there was light like just people of all shapes and sizes uh, 
and it was like a beautiful thing to witness you yeah. know yeah. as opposed to everybody being around the same age around the same body type it was really lovely to be in a space where they like you know these are our final final people and it and it was there was no pinpointing oh they're looking for this type of person or that type of person they just wanted who could do the job mm. you know and so i think there's a lot more of that now than there used to be which i love yeah i, I i'm all about diversity too it just makes things so much more interesting what are some of the things that a dancer can do to hustle up work for themselves other than just waiting for their agent to call them? Um, these days, a great thing is finding out where some of your favorite choreographers are teaching. Go to their classes. Let them get to know you before the audition. You know, let them get to see how you move, get a familiarity with them. That way, when they're having an audition for something, and because a lot of choreographers these days do teach, um, that way when they have an audition and you walk in the room, they're like, oh, hey, Sherry, how you doing? And they know you, they know how you move. That's, you know, going to give you a leg up. Um, as much as you can, try and find ways to get out and meet dance professionals, meet working dancers, you know, look online for classes or for conferences or there's dance conventions. Um, but again, it's one of those things, it's a matter of doing your research. You know, what kind of, this, I want to be in this particular show. Who choreographed that? What, what is their movement style? Um, who teaches that style? Let me go learn that movement style. You know, you kind of have to just do the homework and then go out and find somebody who can help you learn whatever it is you need to learn. And there's so much, so much information online and, and even classes online right now, you know, so so many ways that you can do that which is great like when i was younger you know i only learned what the people in my close vicinity were teaching <laughs> that was it so can you tell us something about your work at jack's theatricals directing and choreographing musicals with young performers how you got involved with with that i got involved with jack's because my son um ended up doing a show with with them when he was in seventh grade they came to his school and did like an after school kind of broadway review which he auditioned for and 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 got in and they gave him a scholarship for the summer and they did hairspray um my son was seaweed he was so good um but like i remember coming to the show with no expectations i was like yeah it's a bunch of little kids doing hairspray whatever but it was so good the kids were so good. I was like, she's going to Broadway. She's going to Broadway. She's going to Broadway. Mm -hmm. The the caliber of the work was so high. The choreography, the singing, the acting, like it was amazing. My mind was blown. And so I said, I went up to the director afterwards and I was like, okay, so this is what I do and this is amazing. And how can I help you? How can I get involved? Because I would like to work with your kids and work with you guys like and and I was the first parent of a Jack's kid that they hired ever so he hired me as a music director and I started out um, as a music director and assistant director for a couple of years before uh, starting to direct shows uh, of my own fantastic and it's I mean, it's such a great organization my son is still doing shows with them he's actually working 
for the theater now as a, a theater tech as well. And my daughter's done shows with them. And yeah. Sounds like a great, great program they've, they've got going on there. Yeah, it really is. Uh, ever since I've known you, you wear your hair natural. I yeah. love it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, I have always kept my hair natural just because that's how I like it. Um, I have not felt pressured to change it. The only time I felt a little pressure to change it is when I, after I had my son, I had an infant and a two-year-old, and it was too too much time to do this stuff to my hair, so I shaved it off, all of it. <laughs> and I had it that way for a long time, and I had an acting teacher who was like, did you have cancer? And I was like, no. She's like, well, then why is your hair that way? <laughs> I was like, well, I can, you know. But I always kind of felt like I can always wear a wig. And that's one thing about black women. In the and industry. I like your natural hair much better than the, the pictures with the wigs I saw, too. I'm assuming they were wigs that you didn't straighten your hair, hair, hair out. But No, yeah, if my hair was straight, it, it's a wig. Um, I, I generally wear a wig for singing, oftentimes, just because it has a different look, like sleeker with, you know, if you're doing a wedding or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but like with the rock band, it just depends on my mood. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I've always felt like if I needed straight hair, if somebody really needed me to have straight hair, then I could just wear a wig because black women can get away with that, you know. Mm -hmm. But that's another thing I like about the industry right now is more and more um, in television shows, on commercials, you will see people with natural hair. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. It seems to be happening more now, which is, is great. I, I just think people should be able to wear their hair however they want. <laughs> Why do you think so many people are attracted to get involved in the entertainment business? What is it that that has more people coming into town than leaving town, <laughs> all in the hopes of pursuing pursuing some kind of career in entertainment? I think um, I think there's something appealing about telling stories and becoming somebody else. I also think people think the entertainment industry is glamorous. Um, oftentimes, if they have that opinion, they don't realize just how much work <laughs> goes into it uh, and how very difficult it is, um, not only to actually do and perform, you know, to act, to dance, to sing, to be a musician, all of these visual artists, all of these things take a lot of training, a lot of time, a lot of hard work a lot of sacrifice. Um, but even beyond that, just being able to emotionally deal with the rigors of the hustle and dealing with the rejection. And if you're working the hours, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. But at, at the end of the day, all people see is, is the pretty, the, the, the product. Oh, it's so amazing. They dance so beautifully, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever that is. I, or, and or I people think, walking down the red carpet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, but I also think like, especially for those of us who are uh, creatively driven, there's, there's that part of you that's like, that wants to be a part of something creative, that wants to be a part of something perhaps that will last for a long time, like a movie, you know, that wants to leave that little bit of legacy behind. Hmm. Um, I'm the voice of Carmen Sandiego, whatever it is, you know. No matter how famous you get, you're going to be forgotten at some point. Yeah. <laughs> My husband was talking to somebody the other day who didn't know who Bob Fosse was. 
really wow he's like did he? i hope they weren't a dancer no no at least they, they that's a little bit of an excuse there but i've heard some oh, dancers don't even know who who people like gene kelly and fred astaire was you know yeah. some of the young people uh pursuing dance as a career don't know who some of those legendary dancers are sid charise uh jack yeah. rouse uh there's quite a bit of history that people should be aware of if they're pursuing a particular yeah uh, it just takes education and a teacher that's going to present that that work to you um i was teaching at a university at one point in time a, a broad broadway dance styles class and i had them do three different projects and i chose choreographers but one of them i chose was um margin gower champion who performed and, and choreographed some of you know the most amazing work uh, throughout the 50s. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason I chose that is because those kids don't know. <laughs> they don't know that air, they don't know that style. And it's also a style I love to do. Mm -hmm. So you know, I would choreograph something so we'd have a dance, but then they'd have a video assignment where they had to go and actually research that person and write a paper on them and on their style, not just like take their Wikipedia and put it on a page, but you have to like research on video, what makes their style of dancing, their style of choreography distinctive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that kind of like work, I think is helpful for dancers, especially if you want to go into something like musical theater. Um, but if your instructors don't push you in that direction, and say, this is what I need from you. I need you to research this person. I need you to find a choreographer from the 50s or whatever. Um, then, you know, you'd have to be very self-motivated or like me, a parent who makes your children watch old movies, which they love, I might add. Um, but, you know, I, I we exposed our kids to that, that well, stuff. Thank goodness for teachers like you. And hopefully they'll, there are many more that, that follow your example. Um, how would you characterize your own uh, choreography style? Oh, that's interesting. I feel like um, that's hard for me to say because most of my choreography is driven by the story that mm -hmm. I'm trying to tell because mm -hmm. a lot of it has been for musicals or plays. Mm -hmm. So whatever it is has been influenced by what the overall doing? story of you know, the assignment. I do like rhythm. I like things that are rhythmic. I tend to be a fast mover. So I like things <laughs> that move generally kind of fast. Mm -hmm. um, but then you also have to create things that your actors can do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, I think mine is just very story driven. It changes from show to show to show depending on what we're trying to say. Certainly fair enough. Well, Sherry, thank you so much for, for taking time to, to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Don't call me Corey Baker. Call me Marco Potch. Because I'm not Julia's son, not anymore. Don't call me Corey Baker. Call me Marco Potch. Because I'm not Julia's son like I was before.